Morning. It's a good day. Wonderful weather, even though it's a little warm, but it's better than freezing, so we'll take it. Uh, we are sitting in air conditioner, so we can't complain too awful much. Um, last week we spoke about um, the flashpoint and how that uh, we need to be on fire for God, and I want to tell off that a little bit this week and just uh, follow up a little bit on uh, that message and how that... Uh, it's important for us to be on fire for God and listen to God's voice and and uh, be on fire for Him and do what He's called us to do. And uh, it's amazing. This morning I was driving to uh, Vanceburg campus to go to church. This morning was listening to the radio uh, station one hundred four point nine, the local KKS or whatever it is. And it's pretty amazing because uh, Sister Wilma's message is on there when we're driving to church now at the nine thirty service. And when we was getting there about 8.30 to 8.45 is that uh, time frame when we're driving down that way. And her message last week was about the fire of God. It's just amazing that a, church, a different church, you know, that's right here in the community that God gave. And me and her didn't collaborate or anything. You know, it wasn't like we talked or anything. It was just amazing to know that the same sermon was being preached there as being preached at both of our uh, campuses. And just that uh, God wants us to be on fire for him. And I was like, that's pretty cool that there's a... It's a confirmation, some people call it, you know, to wait for a confirmation, but it's amazing when the confirmation is there, even when we hear it. So the fire of God is something we need. It's something uh, all churches in Lowe's County need, and we all need to become uh, more on fire for God than we are today and do more for him tomorrow than we did for him today or yesterday. So as I was thinking about that, uh, and the way we talked about it, you know, that the... That the uh, the Acts 2 experience of where that uh, as Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he told them to, to tarry in Jerusalem and they would be endued with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 2 it says uh, that he would make them, a, give them the power to be a witness unto him into Samaria and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. So if the whole point and purpose of the fire of God and the passion of God and the infilling and the indwelling of the Spirit of God inside of us is to make us witnesses, I begin to think about, you know, it's... A, we need to be witnesses. We need to be better witnesses and uh, to witness for Jesus better than we have been. Amen. Amen? Yep. To be a, a light in a dying, hurting world. So as I, as I contemplated that, I began to think about, you know, the best way to find out how to be a witness or what kind of witness we need to be, we need to go back and get the picture of the best witness. And that witness was Jesus Christ. If we want to mimic or imitate anybody, we need to imitate Christ. And Paul, the apostle even said that, said, follow me as I follow Christ. So even if we're following Christ, we can be and have an impact on others, and they follow us in the pattern that we're following Jesus. So that's okay too. But we're to make sure that our uh, imitation is of Christ. So as I thought about that and began to think and ponder about through the Gospels, and if I just take into account Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if I take those four Gospels into account and think about where was Jesus a witness in a manner, in a, in a way that can be a pattern for us. So I landed in John chapter 4. That's, that's where I want to come from today. John chapter 4. I love this text. It's an awesome uh, a chapter in, in John, in the Gospel of John. I love all the Gospels, but this one's one I want to land in to see about what it is to be a, a witness like Jesus was a witness. So John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, verse 4. Where we'll start. Speaking about Jesus, 
It says, verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. King James says he must need to go through Samaria. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. If Jesus needed to be somewhere, and he gives us as a pattern that God chose him, that he needed to be in Samaria that day, if God cares that much about him, he cares that much about us as his children. Amen. He don't care about one child more than the other. Parents know this, that if you got three or four or five kids that you, you love one just as much as the other. And, and short might be shown in a different way or this or that, but the, the amount of love is not different one from the other. They're all the same. Children are there. So as God would, the Heavenly Father would, would tell Jesus that he needs to go through Samaria at this point, this day, this strategic hour, this strategic minute, if he cared about him that much to put him in a place, then he will put us in a place that same way. If he had a place he needed to be, we have a place we need to be. Look at your neighbor and say, you're needed. That wasn't very loud. Look at your neighbor and say, you're needed. You're needed. Absolutely needed. If God needed Jesus to be there, he needs you to be somewhere. He has a place for you. He has a, a strategy, a, a reason for you to exist. And there's a purpose for your life. So if he cared about Jesus, he cares about you. And if he cared where he was, he cares about where you are. So he's telling you, you need to be where I need you to be. Now Jesus could have been in Jerusalem and he could have just stayed there. He could have said, well, it's better over here. I like Jerusalem better. I'm just going to stay here. But God's saying, no, I need you in Samaria today. Well, God, I kind of like Jerusalem. That's the way we go at it. We usually are where we want to be rather than where he wants us to be. And in the church world, what I want us to think about today is looking at this as becoming an externally focused church. I want us to be externally focused as a church. That we're not internal, but we're external. So as Jesus needed to go through Samaria, so verse 5, So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychonar, which is the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Wow. When we're talking about witnessing, that there's a strategic place and time and instant where Jesus needs us, or Heavenly Father needs us to be at a strategic point. He cares about where we are. But as Jesus comes towards that direction, the Bible says he was wearied. He was burdened down. He was, he was tired. Look at your neighbor and say, are you tired? You ever get tired? You ever get tired of the journey? If you don't believe me, Mom sent me a picture of all God. I talked about this. I said that this morning in the, the text this morning, and, and it's uh, in the sermon this morning that, like going on vacation, you go on vacation, you get about three or four hours away from the house, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And then about two hours away, is this awesome? It's okay. We're going on vacation. About three hours, you start whining, uh, I don't know, and you start fidgeting around and drinking more water and moving and stretching. And about four hours in, you start, this is no good. I'm tired of this already, okay? I don't like this. And then if you have kids, what does the kids or something they always say? Are we there yet? So kids begin to say, are we there yet? Or if you're Amy with Jason, Amy's the one, the kids, it's Amy saying, are we there yet? He said, last time we went on vacation, where was he? went to Florida, and, and they got down to Georgia, and she was tired. She said, let's just go back home. I don't want to go back home. That's like twice as far as we've already. No. Are we there yet? I want to be there. You're tired. You're burdened down. It's, it's, it's a struggle, life, this journey that we're on. 
And in witnessing, it's the same thing that we we come and we witness and we try and we go out and we talk to people and and we, we need, we're where we need to be when we need to be there. And you talk to them and they you say, "Won't you come to church with me?" And they say, ah, "Yeah, I'll come to church with you sometime." Right? Maybe someday. Or someone will just tell you, if I come in at church, the roof's going to cave in. Amen? Or you might witness to somebody, and I've had people say this, well, I'm not going to church because it's full of hypocrites. Amen? People will say those type of things. And what I always tell them is, absolutely. Paul even said, I'm the chief among sinners. The Apostle Paul that, that was involved in writing the Scripture, involved in writing the Bible, said, I'm the chief among sinners. I'm a hypocrite. I try to do the best I can, but I always end up failing. The church isn't for a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Amen. Amen. It's a place where we can come broken, busted, disgusted, just absolute loss, hurting, in a place that Jesus can meet us. Amen. It's a healing station where we're at. So as Jesus was, was going towards this strategic point that God told you, you must need be in Samaria... By high noon, on this day, Jesus is going that way, but as he's on his journey, he begins to get tired, just like us. But what do you do when you get tired? My dad has told me this my whole life. This is his quote of manathisms. If you want to write them down as that, a manathism is this. If you get tired, you keep on working. And he, he lives through that, I promise you. You get up the holler and go to cutting firewood, you get tired, you just keep on working. He told us that from the time we were just little bitty fellers. You know, you get tired, you keep on working. I've, my whole life I've heard that. So a lot of times wherever I get tired, now that I'm my own man and I can do what I want to do, you know what I do when I get tired? I'll go drink water. <laughs> Amen. I'll sit down on the couch and take a break. It's okay. But manifest is when you get tired, you just keep on working. So this is telling me that my dad is more like Jesus than I am. Amen. I like taking breaks. Anybody else out there like breaks? Breaks are awesome. What about this? That if if all of a sudden you come up upon on your job and and Abby's up here working at Walmart and just having a glorious day and it's just awesome. She's cutting this material and just waiting on customers. Oh, how are you today? And it's just a great time to be at Walmart. And, huh? Yeah, it is. And as she's there, this is my story. I got the mic. So as she's there doing this and, and going through the day, it's just a wonderful day, and, and the boss walks up, and, you know, four hours in, she knows she started eight that morning, so she should be getting lunch about noon, right? So 11.30, her body automatically starts telling her it's about noon, it's about 11.30, you're getting close, and your belly starts growling because it knows it's lunchtime. Lunchtime is awesome. It's a break. So I was standing there, and she's just waiting on customer, just chippery and everything else, and her belly's growling. And then all of a sudden, the boss comes through, and somebody else has went to break, and they missed break this morning, and I got caught up with the customer and can't stop. And, and then she came up to let, uh, I about called her Leslie. Sorry, Leslie. Hi, Leslie. That's Leslie. This is Albie. So, uh, Albie, uh, sorry you're not going to be able to take lunch at 12. We might have to wait till about 1230 because so-and-so went to break. So Albie's like this point, at this point in her journey, when she's weary, when she's tired, she isn't like, Yes! I couldn't wait till the boss come around and told me I get to keep working. This is the best day of my life. Anybody ever watch SpongeBob? That's the way SpongeBob is. It's like you just, you know, Patrick and Mr. Squidward and all them, they're all mad and all this about work. And he's just in there chippering, just living life, enjoying it. Albie isn't like that. So when the boss says you can't take lunch right now and your belly's already growling, 
Why did she take lunch late? And we start getting grouchy, right? Weary from the journey. Our attitude means everything. As a Christian, when you're tired, you keep on living. You keep on going. Even when it doesn't seem right, even when it seems like, man, I ought to be getting a break. It's Sunday. It's my day off. But it, here it comes. It's 9.30 on Sunday morning. It's time to be at Bethesda. What do you do? You just get up and go. Amen. You be there. Why? Because we don't get tired. We're like Jesus. Jesus got tired, but he went anyway. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be more like Jesus. Now look at the other neighbor over there because you didn't want to look at them first and tell them, yeah, you, you're the one who really needs to be the one like Jesus. You need to be more like him. He's got a pretty good plan. So here it is. Jesus came to Samaria, which called Sacrament of the Ground. Jacob gave his son to Jacob, was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So in Judaism, in their way of their calendar, we know and understand that every day begins at sunup, right? So sunup's about 6 o'clock in the morning, so six hours into the day would lead us to the point of being about 12 noon. Wherever you must need be in Samaria, and you get tired along the journey, here Jesus sits down at the well, and he's at this strategic point where God wants him to be. And as he's there, it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So let's put this in our witnessing context that we're trying to figure out and study here. If we're going to be a witness like Jesus, be where you need to be when you need to be there. Amen? Amen? If he wakes you up in a dream in the middle of the night and tells you to get up and be downtown at Vanceburg and standing on the corner and at 8.35 somebody's going to drive through there and you need to speak to them, be there at 8.35. Amen. We need to be where we need to be when God tells us to be there. It isn't for us to second guess and say, I need three confirmations and please speak to me like this and, and put out a, a fleece and say, God, if it do falls and if it don't fall, it, it isn't like that. If God tells you, be there. Amen? He knows what he's doing. It's not a guessing game. And we know the still small voice of God. We know when the Holy Spirit tells us and witnesses us to be a witness for Him. He knows. We know that. So as Jesus is here, this woman says, you know, why, you being a Jew, why are you talking to me? So basically, let's put it in our context today, it would be like unbelievers or unchurched people and here we come up and we're talking about church stuff and we're sitting there and most of the time church people don't deal real well with people out in the world. They're sinners. We're not, right? That's the way a lot of people world looks at it. But really, if you want to know the truth, we're all sinners. Amen? Amen? Amen. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are sinners. So if we can't say us versus them, and sometimes the world outside of there thinks, well, I can't be the church because I'm not going to be a hypocrite because then if I go in there, I'm telling the whole world that I'm not a sinner anymore. That's what they think. But who needs to tell them different than that? The church. We need to be witnesses that God can love you even in your sin. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, He loved us. 
He loves us just like we are. Does He want us to continue in sin? Absolutely not. He wants us to come out of it and overcome it. And He will give us power to do that. But in our witnessing, as we're witnessing to the world, you don't go out there and say, I'm better than you, wearing your glory crown. Wouldn't it be awesome if every Christian had to have little halos they put on their head and walk around and look like a little angel and angel wings? I mean, it'd be awesome. I'd love to see Eric with angel wings and a little goat halo strutting up and down the street. I'd be like, yeah, I'm it. I go to church. Everybody'd be like, you need to take those wings off. Right? So as Jesus does this, he goes through and he begins to talk to this woman. This woman says, well, you guys never talked to us. It'd be the same way today. Most of the time, most unchurched people are not talked to by Christian people. The world is dying and going to hell in a handbasket, and the church is sitting idly by thinking, when is the next church service? When can I come back and just receive more of God and learn more about God and, and think about God a little bit more? Maybe my life will get a little bit better. When the whole purpose, the whole reason that Jesus came was to empower us to be a witness. To talk to those unchurched people. To talk to those that are hurting. To talk to those that are undecided. Those that haven't figured it out. They don't have faith yet. It's for the church to witness to them. We're supposed to be externally focused, not internally focused. Jesus was talking to somebody that nobody in the church was talking to. This woman said, you Jews don't talk to us. Why are you here? It's that way for us. That's how strange... That's how odd it would feel for you to talk to an unbeliever today. They think, why are you talking to me when I'm an unbeliever? Through this, this past week, Albie, she came up to the house and we was talking at her leadership thing and, and she was talking about that somebody on her job site, she was there and, and just they understand and know her to be a, a youth pastor's wife and, and she loves God and loves people and, and she tries to be the Christian example that she can be, the best she can be. And at work, this guy, she's sitting there eating her lunch, and he comes up, and he's like, can I just sit and eat with you? Yeah, sure, sit down. He sits down, begins to eat with her, and begins to ask her questions about the church. He's not a Christian. He don't know anything. He starts asking her questions. She tells him, well, this is what we believe. This is what we do. We help the kids. We got teenagers. We do this. We do that. And, and talks to him. And, and she's just dumbfounded that an unbeliever is sitting there asking her questions. Sounds a lot like this story, don't it? But it's reversed. The roles are reversed. Now the unbeliever is asking the Christian rather than the Christian going to the unbeliever. That's how odd it is for a Christian to talk to unbelievers. We've waited so long that now they're coming to us asking us questions when all along we've supposed to have been going to them. An externally focused church. She tells this guy, she's like, yeah, we got this youth group, and they're, they're these good, super cool kids, and they're just awesome. She's bragging on these kids, and, and we're going to do this, and we're going to take them to church, and we're going to do a jerk church camp with them, and we're going to take them up to Long's Retreat. And he's like, Long's Retreat? Yeah, that's where we're going, right? He's like, ah, uh, you probably don't want to go to Long's Retreat. She's like, why? Because everybody up there is drunk. Oh, okay, so... Christian people ain't allowed to be around drunks. Is that is that in the Bible somewhere? Don't you know? Tells you not to be a drunkard. Absolutely, don't be a drunkard. Amen. But does it say we can't be around drunks? No. It actually says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. 
He was around the wine bibbers. He was around those that everybody else said, Jesus, you're not allowed around those kind of people. He said, why? That's who God sent me for. He didn't send me for the healthy. He sent me for the sick. Be a witness like Jesus. Be externally focused like Jesus. So it dumbfounded this unbeliever that a group of Christians was going to take their teenagers and take them to Long's Retreat where a bunch of drunks are. Amen. I'm glad the teenagers are going. If you drink, Aaron, your nana won't have to get a hold of you because I will. Amen. Okay. Yeah, that was like that was like that in gifting thing. But here's the deal. Why is the church so worried about the church being tainted by the world when the world's supposed to be affected by the church? Amen? The Bible says greater is he that's in, within you than he that's in the world. Right? There's more power inside of the church than there is in the world trying to affect the church. I can be around drunks all day long. Can I just taste right now Bud Light on my tongue absolutely I haven't drank a drop since 1999 praise the Lord amen I'm glad I haven't drank one drop since 1999 but I can still literally taste it right now but do I do it no why because Jesus made me an overcomer I know that the drunk version of Ben is not a good version getting in fights and swarping around and doing all kinds of stupid stuff and driving around drunk that's not a good thing to do. Only by the grace of God, I didn't end up killing somebody drunk driving. Amen? Amen? But God is telling us He's empowered us and gifted us to be a witness to the world and not worry about the world affecting us, but worry about us affecting the world. There's power inside of you to change people's hearts and minds. Just love God and love people. It'll transform lives. But we've got to get outside these walls. Amen? The church needs to be externally focused. We need to become more externally focused than we are even now. And I thank God that Bethesda is an externally focused church. I'm glad that our youth pastors will take kids to Long's Retreat rather than go down to Camp Crestwood. Camp Crestwood is an Assembly of God camp that all the teenagers of all the churches in Kentucky, Assembly of God churches, they go to Camp Crestwood every summer. All summer long they're having camps every week. But they all go down and meet together and just praise the Lord. How's your youth group been? And how's this done? And who's got the biggest youth group? And what are you doing here? And what are you doing there? And what kind of games are you playing? When the whole purpose of the church is to win the lost and we're down there just celebrating in a campground all together. Yes. Lost people's not there. It's just the churchy church kids. I would rather be in Long's Retreat with our youth group that gets to go up there. And I loved it the other day that Aaron wrote on their Facebook page in the youth group that said this. Said, we're going to show, go show them what Jesus is about in some generalized terms. Amen. Amen. I would rather our kids love God and love people in the world than just all huddle in here and act like nothing ever matters outside of here. The world is what matters. The lost, the hurting, the dying. That's who God is trying to reach. And if the youth group can do it, we can also do it. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is telling here, this woman's dumbfounded that, why are you talking to me? I'm a sinner. Same way would happen to you. I promise you, you start talking to lost people, they'll say, well, ain't nobody ever talked to me about that. There's a lot of people that's never heard about Jesus. You may think the whole world has grown up knowing Jesus the way we have. They haven't. That's what I love about Bethesda. Everybody that comes to our church says, Wow. You got people, you mean, that didn't grow up in church? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I love it. I love having a body of believers that became believers because the world needed that at Bethesda. Amen? I love it that we can reach people that the rest of the churches won't reach. I love it that people can come in here just like you are wearing shorts and ball caps and just wear, how I used to come in bandanas. My brother wore a bandana to our church for the first three or four years that I came pastored here. If he would have went in some other churches in Los County, they'd have said, adios amigos. We don't allow bandanas in here. But that ain't that. Love God, love people. Does that say love God, love people without bandanas? Love, love only people that wear dresses? Love only people that's good enough? Love people. And I love my brother for three, four, five years. It's been seven years. And just this past year, six years into our ministry at Bethesda, my brother comes to our house and gives his life to Jesus sitting on my couch. what it's all about would I'd rather have done it six years ago you better believe me and did he come to church and did, did I individually I personally walked back to my brother one time at Bethesda and walked back to him and put my arm around him and said you need to go up to that altar and you know you need to he just stood there crying he couldn't leave it couldn't give up it took him six years but he's here but he's here those that endure till the end. <laughs> Those that put up with it. Can I put up with a bandana to see him someday come in? Absolutely. Amen? Amen. Bethesda needs to be that kind of church that dumbfounds the lost when Christians talk to them. Become that bold witness for Jesus. Be that person. And I love it that Pastor Andrew this past week, he put a, whatever them things is, a picture of words on What is it? It's not a meet me. It's a whatever it is. Well, there's one thing. It's a picture with words on it. It's cool. I like them. Mean? Is that it? Okay. I gotta, I gotta consult the in crowd here to know what it is. It's, it's a meme. That's what it is. So it's got words on it. It's got a picture. It's awesome. So he puts this picture about Pentecostal churches because Pentecostal churches gets a bad rap. I'll, I'll give you that. They get a bad rap. You know why they get a bad rap? Because they're made bad rapping. <laughs> Amen. That's why they get a bad rap, because they got a bad rapping. Okay, so that's that's profound. Right? That's probably tweetable, Dusty. You can probably tweet that one if you want to have Pastor Ben quotes there. Um, so you got to think that Pentecostals all this time, and, and Pastor Andrew, I love him because I love having leadership that thinks like I think and it, it prods me to think the way I'm supposed to think according to Scripture. So he said... If your church knows more about tongues than it does the harvest, they're misplaced. Your purpose is misplaced. The whole reason and purpose for the Pentecostal church, the Spirit-empowered church, when Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me, I will empower you to be witnesses. The whole reason for the, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to make you a witness, Amen. a more powerful witness. It's not to speak in tongues. It's not to do this or do that. And just like the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody says, you know, for the church. And, and I've been guilty of this and thinking that the gifts are only for the church. Listen to what happens in this story with this woman of Jesus being the witness he's supposed to be. He's out there and he begins to talk to her. And he says, okay, I'll tell you what. 
Uh, just go get your husband, bring him, and let me talk to him then. If you don't understand what I'm telling you about living water, you go get your husband. She says, uh, don't have a husband. He said, exactly right. You don't have a husband because you've been married five times and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. That's a word of knowledge. That's a word of wisdom. So our giftings that we think is all for the church and the purpose of the church is really to make us better witnesses to the world. Amen? It's not for you to be nosy. It's not from secret gift to make you more... Uh, not to make you have a better gaydar. It's not about that. Amen. 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 The church is for us to become empowered to be witnesses, to be an externally focused church. So God wants us today to be empowered to do this. And Jesus was empowered. He told this woman what happened. And she went back to the city and told everybody in the city. said, you won't believe this guy I met today. I was out there trying to get water. He's in my way. He's a Jew. He's not even supposed to be there. But he's telling me all these things about my life. And you've got to come out to meet him. What if we were as good as witnesses as this brand new Christian? Jesus talked to this woman. She understood Him to be the Christ, the Messiah. What if we was as good as witnesses as she was? Instantaneously. She went back and told her whole city who Jesus was. She didn't wait. She didn't sit in the church and learn about and sit through Bible study and go through 10 years of Sunday school before she ever become a witness. She was instantaneously a witness. Why do we sit back and wait till someday when God's saying, I must need you to go now? The end of this chapter, Jesus said the, the fields are ripe unto harvest. Why are you waiting four months? That's what he says at the end of this chapter. Why are you waiting four months from now when the field is ripe right now? The church is sitting around waiting till someday we're going to reach it. Someday after I take enough evangelism classes and know all the answers and can speak in glorious terms and, and know all the profound statements of the church, it has nothing to do with that. You want to know what will win the world? Love God and love people. It's as simple as that. So today, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to become that empowered witness that Jesus wants us to be? I want to be that, don't you? Don't you desire to sit? No, do you know somebody in your family? Maybe your extended family? Maybe somebody in your neighborhood? Somebody at your job? Somebody that you know it's hurting right now. That their life would be a lot better off with Jesus if somebody would talk to them. Maybe you're that somebody. Maybe you're that person that needs to be there. And God is telling us right now, I want you to be externally focused. What if I told you next Sunday... We're not going to have church service today either because we're too many times we come in here on Sundays. Next Sunday we just go to the courthouse. It's supposed to be the church out there, not in here. What if we did? Wouldn't it be wild to actually be a church out in the community? I love it that the teenagers are going to do this. This summer they have worship nights. Once a month they have a worship night where they come in and sing and we'll some of them just gave sermons. We've had sermons from teenagers. We've had poems read by teenagers. We've had scriptures read by teenagers. We've had all kinds of stuff by the teenagers on a worship night. It's where the Dusty don't preach and Albie don't preach and nobody says anything. The youth has to do that service themselves. But for the summer, they're taking off their worship nights to be an externally focused church. The youth group is going to go to the 
Misty help me. Apartments, apartment complexes, different apartment complexes once a month, and they're going to go be the feet and hands of Jesus in a community where the people's at. That sounds a lot like this story, doesn't it? Usually we ask everybody to come to church when the church is supposed to go to them. Jesus didn't say coming from all the byways and highways. He said, go ye into the highways and byways and compel them. Talk to them. He's telling us to go. We're asking everybody else to come. What if they met Jesus on the church? Not at church, but at the point you met them in, out in by the well. Instead of inviting them to church, lead them to Jesus. They're not looking for church. They're looking for Jesus. Because they'll get hurt in church. Amen? Amen. I've seen people get hurt in church. I've been hurt by church. I'm still here, but I, I love the church. But the church will hurt you. Jesus will never let you down. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll go with you to the end of the age. I want to be more like the youth group, don't you? They're going when all the adults are sitting. Amen? Amen. They're a picture for us, a fired up group that tells us if they're going to act like that, the adults need to do more. We should have more wisdom. Amen. We should have more abilities. We should have more resources than what the youth group's got. We should act better than they do. Shame on the adults. Youth, you can look around and have nan, and a boo-boo. Pastor's bragging on us and not the other people. It's the truth. They're loving God and loving people better than the adults. And that's what we need to be. Let's stand. Today's Men Leslie's 12th anniversary. So what she has desired is uh, me to take her to uh, Red Lobster and buy her the ultimate feast or whatever else she wants. So we're getting ready to go. Uh, so I'm grateful that she's put up with me for 12 years. That's been a major job, right? Amen. Hard job. So, let's pray. Father, I just ask you today to God to reveal to each and every person in this room, Lord, that you would make us bold witnesses that you have designed us to be. God, I pray for every teenager as they're going away to camp this week. God, I just pray that you would empower them, that you would embolden them. Lord, that they could be witnesses there on Long's Retreat, God, for people that are there that just come out for a summer getaway because they're tired, because they're so burdened down with this life. God, I pray that you lift burdens this week during that youth camp. God, let our students be witnesses for you. Make them like your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would just speak to every person in this room and and Holy Spirit, that you would just lead and guide us in all truth. Lord, that you would cause things to come to remembrance about messages about being a witness. And that you would help us to be that witness that you are asking, that the Heavenly Father is asking us to be. Help us to be where we need to be when we need to be there. Lord, I'm just asking for, for just special privilege this, this upcoming week. Lord, that you would make witnesses in this room of people that don't normally witness. God, I pray that every person in this room would be able to lead somebody to Jesus before this year is out this year. 
Give us spiritual harvest, God. Let us go into the fields. Let us open our eyes and see that there's people hurting out there, that they're dying. Open our eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday, I went down and drove to McDonald's to eat. And I sat there in the parking lot, and I, I was looking in Lewis County and, and just sitting there in the parking lot eating my food and watching people. And over, I sat for an hour, just people watching. And I, it had to be over 500 people pulling in and going out. It looked like bees. You know how it is down at McDonald's and, and B Mart or whatever, John Clark, whatever it is now, down at Vanceburg. As I was sitting there watching people, I began to try to think, how many of these people do I know? You could count out of all the people that pulled through there, it was less than what I could count on two hands of people that I actually knew who they was. This is my hometown where I grew up in Lewis County and seeing 500 people and me not knowing 10 of them, shame on me. Because I sat there and looked at them like they're the harvest. That's the harvest Jesus is talking about. That's the people that's pulling in and out of the gas pump right beside of you and you're standing over hiding behind the pump hoping they don't look at you. What if he set you up and needed you to be there at that moment in that hour? You just, you just look over and be kind and be nice. What if we was witnesses there? Amen? we got to become better at being a witness. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We'd love to pray with you if you need prayer, special prayer. Love God, love people. Be a witness that God intends us all to be. Go be blessed. Have a blessed day.